Spider suits, cyborgs, and serial killers. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic before in their life watches a Marvel movie or TV show or plays a Marvel video game and then quizzes a second comedian. This one is a Marvel export. This one was taught to read using Marvel comics. It is the yin and the yang of the Marvel experience. And we've got a, a, a first ever for you today. As we don't look at a movie or a TV show for the very first time ever, we're going into the world of Marvel video games to coincide with the release of the brand new Spider-Man 2 game that's on out very soon right now that we're looking at the very first uh, PlayStation Insomniac Spider-Man game, Marvel's Spider-Man, um, and doing a deep dive into that. Hello and welcome, I'm Rob Halden. I'm a writer, I'm a comedian, I'm the Marvel expert, and the other voice you hear is not a Marvel expert. He's a Marvel ignorant. No, you can't because it sounds it sounds like an insult. Just call me an idiot for God's sake! <laughs> it's Will Preston. Hello, I'm Will Preston. Um, <laughs> now, role reversal, sort of, sort of role reversal. I'm still the Marvel expert, mm. but I am the video game. Man, I don't want to say dunce. That's for others to say. You are stupid at games. <laughs> I have a lot of game challenged. I'm very much not a gamer. Very, very much not a gamer. Welcome to my time. world. <laughs> no, yes, I'm in your, I'm in your, your land, your lap, as it were, your lap land. Uh, as we look <laughs> at a video game for the very, very, very first mm. time. You know what? Right back when we started this podcast, we've been talking about doing video games at some point. It's been difficult to get our heads around how and why to do it. Um, obviously, it would have to be a, a video game that has one of those long, compelling stories. Mm. I mean, Marvel Spider-Man, the Insomniac Spider-Man, you can't go wrong with that. Coming up, we're going to go behind the scenes on the making of the biggest Marvel game of all time until the sequel comes out. Mm. We'll explore the design of the game, the making of the game, what went into making the story the differences and similarities with the comic book source material. We'll pull apart all the different skins and costumes in this game. We're going to go into the Easter eggs, the collectibles, the backpacks, and what they mean in the comic book world. Then we'll take a deep dive into this story, the brilliant, well-regarded, well-criticized story, and find out about Dr. Octopus, Silver Sable, the Sinister Six, and the time Aunt May, Rufy the supervillain. It's Ooh. all still to come. <laughs> On Marvel versus Marvel. I don't know if you've realised this recently, Will, but what I've started to do is always end the coming up section with something funny that you don't know about. <laughs> Could you surprise just, me? Surprise me in rehearsal. Rob. I, don't I surprise just love me getting that surprise laugh out of you. Yeah. Um, when we put that together, <clears throat> guys, this is kind of like it's a first ever for the show in our fourth year, but this almost feels like coming full circle to me. Because if you don't know the genesis of the show, mm. me and Will Preston worked together, collaborated on one of Will's uh, Edinburgh shows that he was putting together, his one-man show that was all about Will Preston uh, escaping reality. And it was about your love of science fiction, video games, movies, things like that. And what came up in that collaboration was that we're both like geeks and nerds, in very different, like, in kind of different ways. Like, you, as we found out, had never read a Marvel comic book before, and I just, I'm not a gamer. And as things progressed, because the, the pandemic arrived, and at some point in the pandemic, 
kind of realised that before then it was. I realised I hadn't played my PS4 in <laughs> in 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 multiple years. And, wow. And, and you're playing every day some description of a game. Yeah. And that we'd really lapsed in in I'd lapsed and and I was I had didn't have these experiences and you did. And yet to an outsider, to a jock, to an athlete. <laughs> We'd, we'd, we'd be lumped in the same category, oh, a couple yeah. of nerds. But there's a, and that's the original idea I had when the the pandemic started and we were trapped in the house. And mm. I was thinking of projects to do. What I was, it was not necessarily always going to be this podcast. To begin with, there was some sort of an idea of just a, could it maybe a, a chat, maybe like a you know those chat, those banter chat shows that comedians banter chat do. shows that you cut up and put on Instagram. And, and share. a billion times more successful than us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just thought there was an interesting dynamic in that we are sort of in the same lane, but actually quite different in terms of how we engage and what we enjoy. And mm. Video gamers was a big part of that realization. I'd read comic books all the time. Don't play video games, and and you're with especially with Marvel the, the the other way around. And I thought that was an interesting thing. So we finally managed to merge. The ideas, yeah. Does it is, it is it strange to when you encounter someone like not necessarily like sometimes you'll meet a person you'll go well they they have very different interests to me of course they don't play video games that isn't weird is it weird to encounter someone like me <laughs> who like we're on a similar leveling but when you find out I just haven't played a video game in I, like I, I five or six it, years I don't think it's weird at all Rob but to be to be fairly honest I'm, I'm pretty used to disappointment for everybody so. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, there's that. But yeah, I I I I use I, because I grew up uh, in terms of gaming as this kind of thing where not everyone does it. I I know it's not for everybody, so I don't expect everybody to be a gamer, even people who are into uh, geek stuff. I'm the and I'm the same with comics. I'm like very used now to, especially now when the overwhelming majority of Marvel fans are fans from movies, are mm. fans from video games, and and the the comic book fans we're the we're the minority, we're the outnumbered, uh, we're the ones that will be hunted to extinction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as so we should, as, as we should. So that's it's a similar kind of dynamic, yeah. Um, and I've been, you know, I, I've been wanting to, I've been really excited to get onto this because even I know I have played this game and I've enjoyed this game. There's a, there's a big game here. There's tons to get into. And what really delighted me about my time playing it was all the references to the comic book trivia, the comic book history, the Easter eggs and things like that. There's so much for us to pull apart. Don't go anywhere. It's the first ever gamer edition here on Marvel vs. Marvel. And indeed, an episode for firsts. We felt that we needed... A video game expert to help guide us through an intro, Spider-Man and the Insomniac 1. Of course, Will Preston is a fully-fledged uh, aficionado and lifelong gamer, but we felt we needed to reach out, reach deeper, go further, and bring you folks there. Um, another voice, a third voice for what I believe is the first time ever on this podcast. We're in our fourth year, and we've never had anyone other than me and Will talking at you. Um, so uh, please welcome to the show now, because your boys have got contacts, um, the gaming editor 
for radiotimes.com, a very esteemed institution. Um, and he's also the host of a brand new podcast called One More Life, where famous faces, game developers, and expert fans explore their memories of their gaming lives. It's Rob Lean. Rob, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me, guys. This is very exciting. Mm, very exciting indeed. The, 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 this is the, the we've they've never heard our listeners <laughs> have never heard another voice on this show. How uh, how does it feel to be our third? The wait, maybe not that. How does it feel to be <laughs> our, the third voice ever on this podcast? <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. I'm just trying to. Uh, the only note I normally get from uh, Sam, who produces our podcast, is could you try and sound a bit more enthusiastic about things? So, <laughs> I'm normally quite a dead, quite like a deadpan person. So yeah, just trying to keep the energy levels in line. Yeah, that's fine. No, you can chill out. It's fine. But the main thing we wanted to get you on because um, this is the, our first time, like looking at something that isn't a TV show or a movie. It's our first time, and it really felt that looking at a video game and Spider Man, the Insomniac Spider Man, feels like. If we're going to do that, it's it's so big in terms of its impact and its sales and the game. It felt like if we're ever going to look at a video game, it really should be this one. And of course, the sequel is out um, 20th of October, around the same time this episode drops. Um, and it looks set to be like the biggest Marvel video game of all time. I'd love to speak to you as an expert and, and just get a, a, a read on your thoughts and feelings on that first Insomniac Spider-Man game and, and kind of uh, how it played and how big it was and... And its impact in terms of, you know, making lots of uh, new fans of Spider-Man and, and it looked like there were commercials and adverts everywhere and stuff like that. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? It's funny you mentioned the adverts. That's kind of one of the first things that I picture when I think about that game is that trailer that they had where it's like Spider-Man's like punching down through all the different levels and all the different villains are kind of rising up to meet him, which I don't think was a shot in the game, but it was a very memorable trailer. They had it in cinemas and everything. And yeah, I only realised today when I was um, refreshing my memory of it a bit that apparently this is the best-selling PS4 game of all time. Um, wow. Which wow. is amazing. Yeah, 20 million copies or something like that. Oh, um, I think it was like 33 million or something. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's huge, huge. Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, I, I love it. I think it owes like quite a lot to the, the Batman Arkham games. I think like that kind of showed the example first of like, hey, this is how you can do like a cool open world environment, but kind of weave in on like more comic book characters than you'd normally get in a, in any kind of adaptation because you can fit so much stuff into a big open world um, and you know, 20 hours of story or whatever. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. And yeah, the sequel I'm very, very excited about as well. Yeah, the, the length of the story, um, you know, we, we, we were all about long-form podcasting here. Mm. We had to adjust ourselves. Uh, you know, we're used to looking at movies that clock in maybe two hours, yeah. two and a half, occasionally a three-hour movie. But, you know, there's 20 hours of, um, of storytelling in this, <laughs> in this game. Um, and that's really – it really struck me because I – I struggled with the Batman Arkham games. I, I don't know why, Boo. for lots of reasons. I'm generally resistant to the over-militarization of Batman, and those games felt like they had a big part in that. <laughs> um, and I'm just generally more... Like, I, I didn't really feel... And I'm not good at video games, so I didn't get too far through it. But the what struck me about this game is the level of, like, emotion in the story. Like, the level... and Which is what Spider-Man does the best. Better than Batman. With his yep. uh, sob story beginning, Spider Man always just has a much better kind of like uh, emotional tale, and that was as someone that doesn't play v uh, video games with stories, <laughs> like it was. It was really I, I'm not I'm not particularly used to coming across um, 
that kind of kind of like uh, character arcs and development in, in in a video game. Yeah, that emotional side of it was massive, and it kind of takes you by surprise a bit as well because like, they skip past the, the tragic origin story, which I think was quite a good choice because it's been done a lot of times at this point. Then yeah, where the game ends up, I don't know if we want to go into to spoiler town or not. But <laughs> yeah, we're fine. We pretty much spoil it in the podcast anyway. We spoil everything for everyone. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but yeah, that kind of final decision where he's got the cure for the for the bioweapon thing and does he give it to Aunt May or does he synthesize a cure for everyone else but that means Aunt May's going to die in the meantime. That moment and him like leaning over the bed and just like sobbing at the end. I mean, amazing performance from Yuri Lowenthal. Yeah. But yeah, what, what a script as well. What, a, what an idea. Yeah. And I think that's already been quite influential. I think No Way Home quite brazenly just did like, yeah, we could kill Aunt May at the end. What a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> Wow, I never, I never would have connected those two dots together. Oh, I'm ashamed and I didn't. I'm in, yeah. Already instinctively, I have a knee-jerk reaction to that. Um, no, don't be silly. It's just a game. But it could well have done, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's left... I know so many youngsters that are into Spider-Man. I mean, and mainly because of the video game. Mm. Like, we, we talk on, on, on the show in general about how... With something like Batman 1989, when we looked at that... Um, which was kind of like Star Wars for the '80s kids. <laughs> there, there's this thing of of, of like before there were, there were some movies come and go with very limited ways to really interact with the movie and enjoy the character again. Um, like and so when when a movie comes out and then vanishes in an age before like a Disney Plus app or something like that how many different ways can you really engage with that character and enjoy it again and that level of engagement is really key to building fandom why batman 89 i think perhaps made a generation of new batman fans is because and i'm one of them was because there was toys and there was action figures and there was a video game and there was stickers and there was Mm. trading cards and magazines and so for kids that like might watch a movie on disney plus and then that's it that's one level of engagement with the character. But having a video game that you play and play and play and play and play is a massive way of like kicking off a, a new generation of, of Spidey fans. It's really something. Yeah, definitely. And like the kind of going back to what I said a second ago, kind of the amount of Spidey concepts introduces people to as well. Like the even stuff like Mr. Negative and like the Feast Shelter, which I can't remember seeing in like any adaptations before, but then kind of putting them center stage in this. And then when they show up in something else, like a film or something, those kind of, yeah, younger fans or newer fans that have come to it through the game are like, hey, I recognize that from the game. And it's like tying everything together quite nicely. And then when you see, uh, what do they call it? The advanced suit, that kind of iconic suit from the cover of of the PS4 game. When you see that, when you see that like show up in, it's in one. It's in one or both of the Spider Verse movies, I think. And like when you see it show up, and you see it all tied together. I think it's very cool. Something that Will picked out in his um, uh, research as Mister Hollywood, uh, going behind the scenes <laughs> on the making of the game, is that this this like marks a real shift in Marvel's business plan when it comes to video games. Mm. That up until this point. The focus, uh, and probably maybe they are following in DC's direction, but the focus had been a tie-in to a to a movie, like Guardians of the Galaxy movies coming out. We do like a, a tie-in game, and Iron Man movies coming out do a tie-in game, and this was like let's get off that treadmill and let's go with a big game developer um, that's known for uh, 
massive games, immersive games, and let's spend four or five years developing something that will have a longer shelf life, I'm guessing, than a tie-in. Does that something that strike you? Does that, is, that, is, that, is, is that something that came across when they made this shift from like Activision to uh, Insomniac? Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting because like, kind of prior to this, I think if you had asked like, uh, a fan of Spider-Man games, <clears throat> excuse me, if you'd asked a fan of Spider-Man games, you know, what's the best one? What's your favourite one? I think a lot of people would have called back to like the Spider-Man 2 movie game. Yes. Which was so good. And I think, again, I think this game does owe a fair amount to that because it had the open world web swinging and it added in like a lot of stuff that wasn't in the film. Um, but yeah, I think it became more and more difficult across kind of the gaming industry to get games out quick enough at the rate that films were coming out. Um and so and so I think it became like slightly untenable. I think they kept doing it. I think the first Amazing Spider-Man film had a game, but I don't know if they got around to making one for the second. They might have done, I can't remember. But definitely at the point where it came back with Tom Holland, I think it was at a point where games take longer to make now than films. <laughs> so it's yeah. like we kind of have to do something else. I wonder if that kind of forced their hand a bit. But also maybe they did look at things like Arkham, which isn't kind of related to <clears throat> any particular Batman film mm. oh sorry there's a cat coming up <laughs> hey! Hello. no it isn't but it but it's it's one of the most well, it's one of the massive um uh, video game franchises despite having no tie-in movie or tv show or something yeah absolutely yeah definitely so i think it, i think it was a great move it's interesting because they've tried to do it a few other times since then and none of the other um things they've tried have kind of hit in quite the same way. The Guardians of the Galaxy game that Square Enix did a couple of years ago was actually really good, but it didn't yeah. kind of manage to reach an audience in the same way. And there was another more recent game called Marvel's Midnight Suns, which mm. was kind of taking quite a quite an old comic book concept, I'm sure Rob knows a lot it's about. It's not really got anything to do with the Midnight Suns, yeah, yeah. really. It's just a name. Yeah. And um, that, the Avengers game that Square Enix also did. Like they kind of they tried a few other things, but nothing seems to have kind of and maybe the uh Maybe the common denominator is that none of those were Insomniac games. But, um, yeah, I think Spider-Man did well, Miles Morales did well, and I think this... I find it slightly weird that they've called it Spider-Man 2 when there was another game in between. But <laughs> um, it's slightly confusing, like, nomenclature. But, um, yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm sure the gameplay has a big, big, big role to play. I, I, I don't, But I also I don't remember a marketing campaign for those games like this one had. This one... Like, I'm someone very disconnected from the gaming world. I, 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 I mean, I'm only going to see game adverts, like, on Twitter, on Facebook. But then also, this was, like, on TV. These adverts were on the movies. There were, I remember, billboard posters of them in, in, in cities and stuff. So, that and that's massive. Again, when we looked at things like Batman 1989, everyone has these very distinct memories of... Like seeing the bat si signal uh, symbol kind of on a big poster at bus stops and billboards, and seeing the adverts and stuff. Those things, those advertising campaigns, are a massive part of of um, getting people interested and in kicking off a fandom. And this had that, which I don't recall for any other video game. Oh yeah, yeah, it's becoming more common now. There's like a bus route that goes past our office, and at the moment you've got Starfield buses going past. You've <laughs> you've got. Uh, Super, wow. Super Mario Wonder bus is going past. Amazing. Uh, the, there's an uh, Armored Core 6 bus that sometimes goes past. But, um, but yeah, definitely, it's definitely the first like um, big superhero game I can remember getting that kind of treatment. I can't remember how they did market the Arkham games, but I don't remember it being quite as a... 
omnipresent as a as the Spider-Man marketing work. Yeah. It might also be that it's for me because uh, I'm kind of I, like I'm always going to pay attention to Spider-Man. Like so when when like as a Spider-Man thing, like any other advert for a video game, I'm probably going to scroll past or mentally check out. When it's Spider-Man, I'm probably paying more attention. It's like you know if you drive a red car, you see a lot of red cars on the road, don't you? Because you just paying attention to it um well i'd love to know from both of you i'll speak to will first oh, okay. what are you most looking forward to um from this new release spider-man 2 i i don't want to be that guy but i will be i am quite looking forward to seeing how they include venom in the game like ha- oh, is that definitely happening i yeah venom's in the game venom's in the game although for me sadly i won't be able to play it until a few years because i'm a pc gamer uh which is just some cruel joke. But yet, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw Venom pop up and I was like, hello, I want to see how they do this because they've done such a good job with all the other supervillains. It's like, this, well, this I, I know be- the black costume's in it, but I don't know if I'd seen actually Venom. No, I saw Venom. That's interesting. I saw some big wow. old teeth and big old white eyes. And, and Rob, for you, sort of the same question, what are you most looking forward to from the sequel? Uh, I do think the Venom stuff will be very cool. I don't know if you guys have seen the approach they've taken to Venom, because it's not a character that normally turns into Venom by the looks of it. Oh, no. They kind, of, they kind of tease, because in the first game, uh, Harry Osborn isn't in it, but there's lots of like voice notes from him. Will's excited. I, I'm connecting the dots in my head, but continue. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of the first game, there's a scene where Norman Osborn goes into like his lab and you see that Harry is in like a tank with like a black goo. So that's kind of, the implication yeah. is that may- maybe this version of Venom is going to be Harry rather than being like an Eddie Brock or something like that, um, which I think is a cool way to do it. And I think th- that's some of the stuff they've done best is when they've taken a concept and been like, we're going to do our version of it. We're not necessarily going to do a straight rip of a film or a comic story. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah. And every every game is going to be Norman Osborn trying to find a new cure for Harry that turns into something <laughs> deadly for the city. Um, I love it. Um I'd like to talk to both of you about like um, Marvel video games in in general. Um, the, the the history, you know, we're talking about this one like it is the biggest, and I think it has to be. Mm. Um, and kind of what memories of playing Marvel video games um, you guys have? Uh, I mean, I have. I stopped whatever point I stopped playing video games properly was maybe ten years ago. Um, but I have like as a kid, I have very strong memories of of um, two arcade games. The um, it's, we call it the Pride of the X-Men, the X-Men arcade game, which is based on a, a, a TV pilot that never kind of happened, um, which was great. I, I really loved playing that with friends. There was um, an Avengers arcade game as well that I enjoyed. Um, I really liked Ultimate Alliance that was on the PlayStation, the 360 or whatever, the Xbox, when I was a young man. That was a lot of fun, switching out different battle. You know, you have a team, it's like a team battle and you switch players and stuff like that. I don't know what they're called. Um, and there was a very, very, very brutal Punish game that Garth Ennis was involved <laughs> yeah. in where you would torture um, criminals. That was very cool. Mm. But yeah, your, your, your kind of memories of, uh, of Marvel video games over the years, ones that have stood out to you. Yeah, sure. I I, uh, I was uh, on my way back from somewhere yesterday, and the train was late, and so I sat and made some notes on my phone. So I'm very prepared for this this question. Actually, <laughs> that's what we like. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the the first one that I really remember, which I'm sure wasn't the first ever or anything, but there was a Spider-Man game on PS One, which mm. had um, it had that kind of yellow, kind of spiky font. Was it the animated show font on the box? Yeah. 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 And. Um, yeah, I loved that game, and it had an intro that was voiced by Stan Lee, which was very cool. I remember this game. Yeah. yeah. And it was very much like, we're just going to assume that whoever's playing this knows all the Marvel characters, because like, I think you meet 
like Human Torch in the first five minutes and Daredevil's <laughs> in it and Black Cat's in it and stuff. Um, but then the bit that really sticks in my mind is the ending of that game, or the final kind of boss battle anyway, it's like a combination of Doc Ock and Carnage. Ooh. And it's like... Um, Almost like, uh, you know, in Crash Bandicoot, when you kind of have to run away from the screen and there's the big boulder coming behind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that, where it's like kind of tentacled doc, doc carnage hybrid is like coming down the corridor behind you and you have to like swing away from it. And it was really difficult and actually kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved that game. And that had a sequel called Enter Electro the following year in 2001, which I don't remember that one as well. But I remember being glad they did a sequel. Um, then there's yeah a bit of a gap, and then it gets into kind of um, movie tie-in time. I had a Spider-Man, mm, yeah. Spider-Man one game on Game Boy Advance, which was more of like a side-scroller. <clears throat> so you're kind of like swinging from, from left to right or whatever. And I remember it had like a fun little kind of side mechanic in it where there would be points in the level you were meant to try and get a picture of, and then you would kind of get rewarded on like the end screen of each level if you did like peter's photography jobs along the way as well <laughs> brilliant wait i remember that from a i i have that memory from an not from a game boy game though i don't know what it would have been in i have strong memories now of having to, to try and take pictures as well maybe it was a one of the one of the oldest uh, nintendo snes games or mega drive games or something Oh wow! Yeah, when, I was, when I was googling it to check what what year that was, it did say that there was like basically every system had a version of that game, but they would have been kind of slightly different kind mm. of thing. So oh wow! Yeah, maybe maybe it was a, something on the PlayStation or the Xbox or something. Yeah, wow. yeah, and then Will quite. A, oh sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry, where were you going? No, no, this no. Is, no, no it's a three way. This is a three way call, <laughs> and we're not used to it. And <laughs> we yes, interrupt Rob, each other enough continue. anyway, so this is just uh, <laughs> an extra level. This is four D chess for us. Nice. And then you had quite a big kind of leap from my personal point of view, going from that side-scrolling Spider-Man 1 game onto um, the Spider-Man 2 PS2 game, which we mentioned earlier, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and also, again, like, only when I was kind of reading, reading back on it yesterday did I realise they added quite a lot of stuff. Like they added in Mysterio and Rhino and Black Cat and Bruce Campbell does like a whole narration for it. And I, <laughs> I don't remember even, even realising at the time, but apparently it was Tobey Maguire's vo- voice doing all the spidey lines in it and i think it has been remembered as not his finest work but i remember that game <laughs> very fondly and then yeah, they kind of tried to do that same kind of open world thing on spider-man 3 and then amazing spider-man to kind of diminishing returns and then there was a get- i remember the, the bruce campbell um voice being like your guide teaching you how to play the game oh yeah, um, yeah. like try to climb the walls and press this but i remember i i, I as you've said that i now have have stronger memories of that of that game. I've never really, I haven't really thought about it in years. Yeah, it was awesome. It was like they kind of did more than they really had to, I think, for a movie tie-in game. I think they kind of yeah. went that extra mile on it. And then there's one that I only remembered kind of minutes before joining Nicole, but there was an Ultimate Spider-Man game in 2005, which kind of had there was. like a more kind of animated, cartoony kind of look to it. And you would be swapping between, I think it was, even though it was Ultimate Spider-Man, I think it was still Peter Parker, but it was like a younger Peter Parker. And you would mm-hmm. kind of be swapping between him and being Venom, which was quite cool. Yeah. Yes, I remember there was a, st- a storyline with the black costume, and um, yeah, that was a cool game. Yeah. yeah. And then like one big one that I think has been very influential is, again, a bit of a jump there, but in 2010 there was Shattered Dimensions, if you remember that. In- indeed, which inspired yep. um, Spider-Verse. Yeah, definitely, and I love that game. And it was like written by Dan Slott, so lots of pedigree there. And yeah, it was very, when you look back at it after seeing Spider-Verse, it's like, oh yeah, it had Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Man 2099, normal Peter and then I think the ultimate Peter I don't think it was meant to be the same ultimate Peter from that other game and then I think Spider-Ham kind of popped up at the end so it was definitely kind of like similar like iterations on a, on a theme that you'd see later on um, well, we we looked at an old um, 
a couple of episodes from the animated series uh, called Spider Wars, yeah. which is full on Spider Verse. Um, and I, I, Dan Slott doesn't comment on it, but <laughs> it feels very much like that's an idea that bubbled along, but then got crystallized with that game and stuff. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? You just want, I, I did an article about Shattered Dimensions once, saying basically that you know this is the game that inspired Spider Verse. And then I think one of the writers or producers of the animated show <laughs> kind of came at me on Twitter being yeah, like, hey, I did, it, I did right. it first, yeah. man. <laughs> no, I think we talked about yeah, that as well. John, yeah. It's John Semper Jr. Yeah, that was oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he definitely would have done that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, Will, yeah, Will, yeah got, no, I, I was going to just say there was a sequel to that called Edge of Time, which I almost quite liked. Um, yeah, but, 2099 was in that yeah, as well. Yeah. Nice. I like that one. Oh, yeah, that's all, that's all I got on there, my list of Spidey games that I liked. Will, your Marvel memory My game. Marvel memory. Ma- Marvel memory games? Marvel memory yeah. games. The one I got on my phone. The ones that anyone can play. <laughs> Marvel Snap. Marvel, oh, no, I don't, I don't play that. Although I did try Marvel Alliance on the PC and it was okay, but it was like one of those games where, oh, you have to sort of pay money to get stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm done. Bye, bye, bye. Free to play. Yeah. No. I, I, again, I had Spider-Man 2 and absolutely loved that. And we, uh, as I said, it's it sort of pay, it, it walked so... Uh, Insomniac Spider-Man could run. Uh, I also have a, 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 some very good memories of a game that I haven't t- had anyone talk about in a very long time, which was X-Men Legends. Um, mm. It was a very good game. It was like a scrolling beat-em-up with RPG elements, and you played as different uh, X-Men. And I think they got Patrick Stewart to voice uh, Charles Xavier, but they got the guy who does Wolverine in the cartoon to play Wolverine, so it was like the perfect combination. But it was really entertaining. Uh, you would go through the different levels, like you had to fight in the sewers against, uh, like a, I think I think it was the Morlocks and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and you work your way through, you fight bosses, you level up your powers, and, event, and uh, you know I think you do co-op as well, and then you end up on Asteroid M, and that's where the game ends. But right at the end, the post-credit sequence or you know, is, is, is Apocalypse going, ah, now is my time. And then the sequel was Apocalypse. I never played it. And I really want to, I, I, I wish they just ported it to PC. I want them just to put it on PC so I can go, oh, I'm going to buy that, going to replay it. That was good. Um, I remember yeah. playing that after Ultimate Alliance mm-hmm. and going, oh, it's like Ultimate Alliance, but half the characters. <laughs> <laughs> because there, there, there had been a lot of time in between them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do remember going, oh, yeah, this would be good if it had all of the Marvel characters, which this other game does. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't play that many Marvel games back in the day because, again, I'm more of a DC guy. But I uh, I also uh, had a hang. I never, I never did, but I really wanted to try playing the uh, Marvel versus Capcom games. Just so, oh, they were fun. Just so I could have characters from Resident Evil fight against Marvel characters. I want Nemesis <laughs> to fight Wolverine or something. But one day I will. But the other games that really stuck out to me, obviously we mentioned the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which I was really taken aback by. That was such a good game. Uh, and again, it did. It. It. I. I think it didn't get the uh, response it needed because previously they did Marvel's Avengers, which went down horrifically sadly but yeah another one i wish uh, midnight suns i played that a fair bit it's very tricky i'm a big fan of fire axis the game company did it um they did uh civilization and XCOM, and so much of the elements from those because it's a turn-based game appear in this and there's so much good work done but it's very tricky and it's very involved and i'm coming back I'll, I'll come back to it one day but those are my those are my marvel games i've really loved Rob, your new podcast, One More Life, is out now across all platforms. Um, who are you talking to and what are you talking about? I know it's video game based. Yeah, it's video game based and it will basically take us from 
now through to the end of the year, kind of trying to trying to hit as many of the, the big games that are coming out. We're doing re- recording an episode tomorrow with a quite a familiar person about Spider Man, so you might. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who's that going to be? <laughs> uh, I've never heard of this guy. Some guy called Will Preston. He's, nah, you know, he's going to come on. <laughs> Sounds like a jabroni to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be loads. We've got, uh, by the time this comes out, we will have done an episode about Assassin's Creed where I'm talking to one of the writers of the new Assassin's Creed game, which was really nice. Excellent. Uh, a bit later in the season, we've got one of the developers of Football Manager coming on and talking about the, kind of the next two versions of that, which should be quite fun. Uh, and there's also an episode, which I imagine there might be some crossover with your listenership. I've done an episode with uh, a friend of mine uh, about Star Wars games, which is kind of a, kind of Star Wars games and Spider Man games are the two kind of main types of games I loved growing up. So that would be quite quite fun to get into that as well. Fantastic! That's one more life uh, with Rob Lean, and that's available absolutely everywhere across all platforms except for one. Can you find out which one it is? No, that's <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> I need to shine a light onto the wall, a spider signal, if you will. Although his doesn't call people to anyway, I'm. <laughs> I need to bring in Mr. Hollywood, um, and here he is. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. I've just, I, I've, I've lost my ability to do cool intros. That's Here's fine. Mr. Hollywood. It's Will. It's just uses a name called Mr. Hollywood. He's gonna <laughs> dig through the trash cans of. Wait, not Hollywood. You can't be Mr. Hollywood. Where? I- where is this game, Burbank, California? Oh, okay. It's technically Hollywood. We'll call Every, upon... Everywhere, everywhere in Hollywood's called it. Uh, California's Hollywood, I think. We'll call upon Mr. Burbank. <laughs> Mr. Burbank! That sounds like a character from Mary Poppins! Mr. Burbank, could you help me with... Can you get my balloon, please, Mr. Burbank? We call upon Mr. Silicon Valley <laughs> to dive into the tech world of video games. Although video games have never been based out of Silicon Valley. Yeah. I don't know who we're calling. We're calling Will. Will, dig through the trash cans and let us know about this game. I'm probably more uh, of an expert than Mr. Hollywood is at film than uh, video games and whatever. Anyway, um, what you're going to find out, folks, is that me and Will rely so heavily on knowing exactly how these shows go month to month, week to week. Now we're doing something a bit different. We are constantly just tripped up. We're constantly going into a bit and then going, oh, no, it's not like that. How do we do it for this one? And we keep forgetting. This is the most panic-stricken episode you ever <laughs> hear us do. It's taken us so long to put this together because all our old conventions are kind of different and new things need to be done. It's the most awkward way of admitting that most of the time when we do this podcast, we're on autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> like, to get in and out of the episodes, we certainly are, to set things up. And also, to when we're putting it together, we know exactly what we're doing. And then in this one, we're just like, how do we find out how many... Like, I don't know if you've got any... Because there's no box office. I don't know if you've got any numbers on... What have you got for us, Mr. Video Game Man? Because I don't... Like, I know where we go to get all on all our stats, all our sales figures and stuff, Did, and I don't. they don't cover video games. I, I have to say, it was very hard to find. I was... I, 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 I almost screamed at Google. Like, if Google was a person, <laughs> I'd be grabbing, going, just tell me the information. But anyway, this is what I found for Marvel's Spider-Man, or Spider-Man Insomniac, as we're calling it. Uh, 2018, it was released on the PS4. The production cost... $100 million. Now, this is what we need, the yin and the yang. We need the yin and the yang. Mm. Do you know production cost? I don't know. That, to me, sounds like too much money. A lot of wow. money. 
That sounds like a lot of money for a game. But also, I, I recognise it was a really well put together game. There was loads yep. and loads of actors in it. It was a very insanely long story. It shouldn't have been that long, but then you get gameplay out of it, so it doesn't work like a movie. All of that, it, I understand that, but $100 million to me, that's what a movie used to cost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the the, 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 the Spider Man uh, Homecoming costs one hundred seventy five million to make. Jeez. Uh, the, and, so is that is that like is that what a, a video game costs to make? Like uh, no, a new. It, it depends. For a triple A game, it 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 can, it can be quite a lot of money, but yeah. you don't need a, to be a triple A game to make a lot of money. Look at Minecraft, for God's sake. Mm. That's didn't cost a lot to make. That was one guy making it. One very good Scandinavian guy made that, sold it for hundreds of millions to Microsoft after. You can do it that way. It's a totally different world. Totally different world. But um, So the top get the top the top video games can cost up up towards a hundred mil. Well I'm just looking at other ones now. Uh Starfield, which I just completed the main story yep, of by the way. I've heard, heard of that. Two hundred million. Jeez. Yeah. And it took a long time. These take longer to produce than, than uh, films, they, uh, unless you're uh, Activision or EA and you just do it <laughs> every year or whatever. But no, so yeah, this, add, this, add a couple of extra character add, players add, and yeah, bash yeah. it out. Yeah. But the, 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 these are basically <coughs> big things. I mean, we are... Rockstar Games have been working on this GTA 6 for years. I mean, it's, it's been 10 years since GTA 5 came out. And Duke That's... Nukem, Duke Nukem's 25 years in the making, but the new Duke Nukem's still not out. No, no, well, which new Duke Nukem? They did, it did come out. I spent 13 years in development. Oh, hell, 13 then, years, then, then, then came out and was the... Oh, I didn't realise that. I thought it was still a running joke that it's never been released. No, no, it did get released, and it was bad. Oh, <laughs> so 100 million to make this game. That's really interesting. Very interesting. This is a lot of money. Uh, now... Copies sold as of June 2022, 33 million. That's not sales then. That's amount of actual copies of the game. Now, I tried to calculate an estimate. That's a lot. 33 million. And each game is like, what, $40 or something? Well, I I estimated about $50 to $60 because the games games now are like $40 to $60. You're You're kidding me. They've gone. They've recently, the last couple of years, I always had 40 quid. Was yeah. no more than forty quid. Yeah. Starfield was sixty quid, and I was so mad. I managed to get a good deal somewhere and got it for a bit cheaper. But I was like, "That's, that's crazy." Un- so we'll say fifty, sixty dollars for a new game. I don't but- know if I could justify in the current la- it, 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 even even when I la- even when I was last actively buying games for my like I asked you I asked you like so what kind of game should I get and you said Red Dead Redemption and I went and bought it and it was the worst game I've ever played in my life we're not but having I, this argument again we're I, not I, having I, this I, argument again <laughs> I'm going to like CEX or whatever and buying second hand stuff I'm not buying a new game I'm well, not I'm, a jamoke I, I'm, I'm not digital. a guy I'm not, I didn't just get off the train kids I'm not buying a new <laughs> game I haven't bought a new video game in a long, long time. So I, I don't I, think... I, yeah. I, if, if I suddenly had the, the desire to, to play video games again, I don't think I could walk in and drop 60 quid on a game. Do not... I barely drop full price on a game that comes out. What I do is on Steam, I wishlist everything I want. And then every now and again, they go, hey, 
this game's 50% off. And I go, bye, bye, bye. And if and my rule is if a game is on offer and it's under the price of a pint, I will buy it. I just feel like a granddad now because I don't quite know what you're talking. To me, when you buy a video game, you go, you walk to the, into town, you go into a shop, you pick it off the shelf and you give the man money. But you're talking about something else. Download it, it. It's basically a a uh, you have your game library and it's where you buy and you download it onto your PC and play it through there. Right. It's, okay. It's a great way of doing it. Uh, I I and but it, I do kind of miss the days of oh I'm going to ride my bike twenty thirty minutes or whatever to go from Stubbington to Fairham. <laughs> That's a local based thing to go to game. And then, oh, I've saved just enough money, and finally, I can play Metal Gear Solid Two on the PlayStation. That's going to last me my weekend. But I can, I mean, again, within the last half many years, ten years, it would be like, oh, I've got like twenty, fifteen quid, twenty quid burning a hole in my pocket. I'll go down to the the, the CEX or whatever, and I'll just see if there's anything in the second hand thing for like ten, fifteen quid. Is there anything that catches my eye? Yeah. And I'll play that. And I'll go and go and play that for a bit. That's what I used to do. Now I do it with Steam sales. Anyway, got you, got you, got you. Anyway, in the meantime, uh, so thirty-three imagine... million copies sold. Yeah, I was about to say, in the meantime, everyone's sort of like going, oh, for God's sake, and start, I'll do the math myself then. Anyway, I've done the math on this, so about, you know, what, what the total sales are. So, 33 million as of June 2020, we're going by, say, $50 per unit, per copy sold. Uh, that would be a total estimate. You ready for this, Rob? $1.3 yeah. billion. Gee, a billion dollar game. This, this is what people... Who, who talk down about video games, need to understand. It's a more lucrative industry <clears throat> than the film industry. It is not a child's play thing. It is a much more lucrative and popular industry. It's brilliant. And that's, what, four years of sales then? Four years of 2018, sales. 2018, 2022. Yeah. And obviously the amount it, sell, it sells every year will diminish as time goes on because oh, absolutely. they're just the popularity. The popularity goes. But that's it's a 1.3 billion in four years. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, I think it, 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 it has a very different shelf life than movies in, in in all respects. You don't pay as much for a movie because the experience is shorter, mm-hmm. but also movies are out of cinemas within two months, whereas this is sales accrued over four years. Mm-hmm. Movies don't really do that. I mean, there are DVD sales and things, although not anymore. But yeah, amazing. But movies don't have the replay value too. Anyway, let's get down uh, to really. Um, you I watch suppose a film hours, over and over again, but you, you can't yeah, spend like 100 yeah. hours on a film. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know my stuff, man. So let's get down to... Although, uh, do you think you've... I don't, think there's a, I don't think there's a video game I've played as much as I've watched The Sopranos over the years. I think I, you The Sopranos, I probably watched that 100 hours or something. Let, I, I could probably <laughs> name three video games that I have spent that amount of time of. They are City Skyline, Kerbal Space Program and No Man's Sky. I've spent over a hundred hours on each wow. of those, and wow. I do not regret it. Anyway, let's start from the beginning. Insomniac Games Incorporated is an American video game developer based in Burbank, California, and part of PlayStation Studios. It was founded in 1994 by Ted Price as Extreme Software and was renamed Insomniac Games a year later. <laughs> Extreme Software is such a mid-90s name. I should also point out that it's uh, not spelt extreme. It's got a big X at the front. Yeah, of course knob. it does. Absolute knob. Anyway, that's very uh, that's a very musky thing to do. Rob uh, Liefeld. <laughs> Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah. His, his uh, art studio was called Extreme Comics. 
God, he's, he's all about the or extreme, extreme studios, extreme body proportions, more like. Anyway, uh, as well as the Spider-Man game, they've uh, developed some really no- notable uh, game franchises, including Spyro the Dragon, Ratchet and Clank. I've played and Resist- both and Resistance. Is- Resistance. I think I've played. I think I played all of them. I played Spyro the Dragon. I enjoyed Ratchet and Clank a lot. Um, Resistance was to do with trying to like cause an uprising or something, wasn't it? No, Resistance was. It was an alien invasion. Oh, I haven't played it. Then. It, it actually got. This is a funny fact. It, it, it got into some hot water because what some part of the game took place in Manchester, and you have to go through Manchester Cathedral and. The church were angry at the the depiction of the church in a game with violence, and it's just like, why? Wow. Why would you be angry at this? It has, it's not criticizing religion. It's literally just scenery. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's I I like that. Shut up. Uh, Marvel Spider Man came about after Sony Interactive Entertainment's Vice President of Product Development, Connie Booth, that's a very long title to have, visited Insomniac Games to speak with CEO Ted Price. Booth mooted the idea of Insomniac working on a game based on a Marvel Comics property. Price recalled having a fairly neutral response, as Insomniac had only developed original properties, but his developers were enthusiastic about the project. Price said, Connie Booth, who is a great friend and also one of our partners at Sony, was down at Insomniac and she said to me one day, what would you think about working on a Marvel game? I hadn't really considered working on someone else's IP. But the response I got from the developers was eye-opening for me. The answer was, are you crazy? Of course we're going to work on a Marvel game. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing to think Connie Booth uh, created Faulty Towers and then went and did this as well. <laughs> Amazing career she's had. That, oh, no, I almost went, Basil. No, Connie Booth's the other one. Connie's the... Yeah, uh, Polly. Polly, yeah. This was weird. It's like, oh, he's not playing He's not playing the wife. He's just playing, you know, the person he's angry at. Anyway, the project marked a change in Marvel's video game strategy. Jay Ong, a senior vice president of Marvel Games, said Marvel had previously released software based on or tied to the release of films based on their properties, but this meant game developers did not have time to create impressive products. Publisher Activision had been responsible for Spider-Man games since 2000. Ong said that this would no longer be the case and future Spider-Man games were in the hands of Sony and Insomniac. During the game's development, Ong said, When I joined, I knew that with a treasure trove of some of the greatest superhero stories and characters ever, it should be our mission to devote ourselves to making these great, epic games our fans will love. So along with the senior execs at Marvel and my team within the games business, we devised a brand new strategy to be very selective and only partner with the best games companies on Earth. We wanted to work very selectively with companies that shared our vision, our ambition, and really usher in a brand new era for the Marvel games business. We had a long history of success with Activision, and we still have a great relationship with them. But the future of the Spider-Man console games is with Sony and Insomniac. We're delighted about this partnership, and that's something that's going to continue forward. Activision is in the past with regards to Spider-Man. It's interesting, and I wonder what the business stacks up like, because there's a big shift in their business practice Mm. here. They've gone from um, kind of quickly produced and, and and released games that tie in with movies coming out and said and and all of the money that those can individually rack up and they've said no we're going to cancel that and switch business practices so we're not going to do that anymore we're actually going to have one very good game that takes a long time to produce yep. 
and 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 bank on that making up as much money, if not more, of all these rather hastily and perhaps nowhere near as good games that are knocked out every time. And there are a lot of you know, if they're if you're releasing a video game with every Marvel movie yeah. from 2018 onwards, you could be bashing out loads, couldn't you? You could, but this is the thing I've always thought about because you don't see so many film tying games like you used to back no. in the 90s. Like every, almost everything had a tying game. Mid 2000s, like the Iron like Iron Man had had one. Iron Man yeah. Two had one. Yeah. Daredevil had one. Like. It's you get them. There's there's so many of them. It, but the, I remember the Simpsons making fun of it, where Martin at the arcade is playing the video game version of My Dinner with Andre, which is yeah. just a brilliant gag. But uh, I think that stopped happening because games have got more. They take longer to make uh, because they are more complex. There's much more going on. Because back in like the when you're playing a SNES, all you need is like it's, it's a two it's D thing. It's not big. Very quick to make, but now we're talking huge games, huge three uh, D modeling, and all this design stuff that goes with it, and in, and taking the time to actually make sure the whole thing works properly. It's more complex in the eighties and nineties, not uh, maybe early nineties, not so much, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. But but there was a lot of lot of what in the toy world is called label slapping, where you take an existing, <laughs> yeah. uh, you took an existing game, yeah. and you stuck a front cover and a poster on it, and said. This is the Star Trek Wrath of Khan game. Well, you're just shooting things that have got. Yeah. There's no. There's no. There's nothing that looks like the Enterprise in it. There's nothing that. And of course, that changed over the years. And like you said, there's, you know, the ones, but they're still kind of slightly. They're more basic, aren't they? Yeah. yeah I remember but, the Batman 1989 game and, oh, yeah, and things like yeah, that. That's good. That the thing is, is like when the graphics weren't good to represent things clearly. You could do a lot of labels. Get away with now, it. Yeah. Very hard to get away with. So. Marvel did not want the game to be based on an existing film or comic book story and allowed Insomniac to choose a character with which to tell an original story. The team chose Spider-Man, saying they related to the dynamic between the heroic Spider-Man and his everyman alter ego, Peter Parker. Creative director Brian Intahar said, I feel like he's the most relatable of the heroes. As much as I love Tony Stark, it's harder to identify with a billionaire. As much as I love Thor... It's hard to identify with a god. Peter makes mistakes. He has ups and downs in his career, his relationships, his family. I think we can all relate to that. And it feels like to me, from the the, the youngsters I know through the British wrestling that I do and from seeing things on Twitter and stuff, mm. um, that a huge amount of this fan base of this video game is young kids. Yeah. T- teenagers and all that kind of stuff. And... I'm not surprised, as we've talked about exhaustively, Spider-Man is always connected with with young people because of his relatability. I can't... They could have put, in my mind, they could have put just as much work and effort into an Iron Man game. And I'm sure mm. it would have been big, but I don't think it would have made or converted or been as held closely to people's hearts as Peter and Miles are. Yeah, I think it's more to do with the popularity of Spider-Man as well because he's he's up there with the top three as we've discussed before. It uh, is, but but it's that you know when you watch this, you you're a kid, you've never read a Spider-Man comic in your life. Hmm. You maybe have watched the movies, right? But I, you you play this video game, you get lots of Spider-Man stuff, the emotion, the story, hmm. and everything. I think that makes fans in a way that I don't know that like a Thor or an Iron Man game could. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Inatar 
uh, sorry, Interha worked with a team of writers under lead writer uh, John Paquette to create an original version of Spider-Man that remained true to the original. Alongside Paquette, the story was written by Ben Arfman and Kelsey Beecham. Christos Gage co-wrote the script, oh. and Dan Slott provided additional story contributions. That's very interesting. Both um, uh, Dan Slott and Christos Gage are big, big um, Marvel writers. Um, Dan Slott wrote the original Spider-Verse story. Christos Gage wrote the sequel, Spider-Geddon and things. Yeah, It's good to get their involvement in this. On writing the game, Paquette and Gage said, what we all tried to do at the beginning of the game was consume as much Spider-Man as we can. We wanted to get a sense for what's out there, but then we wanted to forget it all. We didn't want to be too influenced by one specific storyline or one specific take on Peter's character. You're always going to have him juggling his life as Peter and his life as Spider-Man. We did that exercise and we kind of felt like we had that in the back of our head. Then it was easier for us to create our own take on the character. It's so important to respect the source material, but also do your own thing. You're not trying to do the best version of a comic book in a video game. You're trying to make the best possible video game that you can. I think it really comes across that... I, I, I mean, again, I was really, really taken by how much Spider-Man comic book stuff was in it. And sometimes mm. I don't mean like, oh, a nod and a wink to the camera, and that's a direct reference to... But they clearly have taken a lot from Dan Slott's very recent run on Spider-Man that I think was just concluding 2018 after 10 years. Mm. Um, and they, they'd really, um, yeah, they'd really, and I think the fact that they, they'd clearly made a decision and this was a very smart decision to create a different, like they're not trying to say this is the comic book Spider-Man. Mm. They clearly by the design of the costume, right. And the backstory, they've gone different universe, different Spider-Man. And that's so smart for thinking we can have our storyline carry on in a sequel or whatever we're going to do, mm. and it still will have a loyal fan base. Yep, yep. And it doesn't have to um, move with the times of the comic books or anything yep. like that, but we can keep it faithful to the spirit. This does a better job of adapting the spirit of Spider-Man than some TV projects and some yeah. mo some movies that we've seen. Yeah, I it, it it's astounding how you can actually compare this to one of the films. The only other video game that's come close to me in terms of that, again, the uh, Arkham, the Batman Arkham games, because they 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 do the Easter eggs, they do references, but they fit so many characters in there, like like from Batman's Law that I did never heard of. Like you got Calendar Man at one point, the Mad Hatter. You got all these extra people in there, and it doesn't feel overblown. It only works that way in, in a video game. Because you have these little bits, the little spin-off bits, and, and they're just... so long as well. Yeah, whereas the movie's got you know two hours to. I mean, do stuff. Arkham Arkham Knight, you, you get to fight Professor Pig, <laughs> and I, I never heard of that character until I read. Um, was it? I can't remember which uh, which one he appeared in. I think it was Grant Morrison's run. Yeah, Grant Morrison created him, and I was like, "This is deeply disturbing." It explains oh, yeah. a lot of what was going on during the mission where you have to fight Professor Pig. But yeah, great! It, it, I love that kind of stuff. But anyway. Art director Jacinda Chu uh, recalls her first reaction was fear out of a desire to do justice to a character so many people feel a connection to. At the same time, the longevity of Spider-Man has resulted in lots of iterations and interpretations. This could have created even more difficulties by leaving little room for a new spin on the character. But Chu chose to look at the wealth of the information as an opportunity. Chu said, 
There are tons of references online because of that. I can work with a company like Marvel who has a deep well of knowledge. They actually have archives of every Spider-Man comic ever written. Everyone there knows so much about Spider-Man. So in cases like that, it's actually a great resource because so much has already been done. So they've got a wealth of information to use to craft their own way, which is really yeah. helpful. It's only, yeah. it's only with something like this that's been going on for so long you could make something so rich. Uh, Yuri uh, Lowenthal provides the voice of Spider-Man. With, uh, working with voice director uh, Chris Zimmerman, Lowenthal tried to differentiate his voices for Peter, where he is gentler, and a Spider-Man, where he is more confident, but th- uh, thought the voices should not be completely different and spent a large amount of time practicing his performances to achieve a balance. Multiple versions of the same uh, conversation uh, were recorded for Spider-Man's open-world dialogue for his at-rest state and that of exertion. For instance, in combat or, webs- or web-swinging, so he basically, if uh, if he's in the middle of a fight or if he's not, the same line of dialogue would be exerted or strained or or relaxed. So that's quite an interesting way of doing it. The mm. recordings can switch mid-conversation if Spider-Man switches from resting to being in combat. That is great attention to detail, by the way, because there's so many video games I've played where you're doing something, but you're already in the middle of a conversation and you're like jumping around the place and your character's talking calmly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. That's such a good practice in video games, that that level of immersion. Speaking about his experience in the game, Lowenthal said, Thankfully, I was able to approach it like an on-camera role because of the way we filmed the cinematics. We We did it all with facial capture and motion capture on a stage with other actors. When I was recording a lot of the in-game lines, most of that stuff was recorded with myself in a booth with the director and production teams. I didn't have other actors to play off, but because because we were shooting cinematics like a film or performing it like a play, I got to work face-to-face with other actors. I think you will always get a stronger performance that way. I'm sure everyone is different, but I believe the performance will always be stronger if you're working with another actor. I would say that getting into the headspace was was in, uh, in great part was in great great part because a the writing as that was just ace on this game and makes my job so much easier and b the people i was working with if i'm good in those scenes it's because william sailors or nancy uh, linari are as good as they are and better than me so i have to up my game i credit my performance in the doc Ock peter relationship with how good bill is if the scenes are tear jerking or heart rendering with me and may it's because of how good nancy is in those scenes <coughs> i had to work I had them to work off, and I think that the way we shot it and having the actors there as well as the writing being that good was 90% of my performance, honestly. So again, there's a lot of work that goes in because you've got to pretty much have an actor act now in games. You have to have proper actors. Yeah, rather than kind of just hit the lines or whatever. Yeah, or you know, just write some lines and then someone does some voice. It's like you, you look at the first Resident Evil and the, the lines are appalling. The dialogue is incredibly appalling. And then you see Resident Evil Village, this big thing where they showed you how they did the motion capture for this one scene where the, the, where the big villains of the game are taunting you while you're tied down. And you're looking at the game and then you're looking at the soundstage and they're all there properly getting into it. And it's incredible. It's such a big step in the industry. It's, it must be similar to the other kinds of voiceover work where you generally you're acting in booths with people yeah. rather than come in like the old days of, of animated movies come in hit your lines <laughs> off you go <laughs> yeah. next person come in tomorrow yeah yeah insomniac wanted to modernize spider-man's costume while paying homage to the original design by steve ditko the new design features a large white spider symbol that stretches across the torso gauntlet-like gloves and a sneaker style design based on athletic wear rather than knee-high boots 
Why is that a problem, William Preston? Now, what have they not done in all their in all their research? Researched why they needed why why they shouldn't have changed the costume. What? What were you going to say? Yeah, there's something that we've there's something just to how they described the redesign of this costume that will incapacitate Spider Man. <laughs> okay, what is that? How does Spider Man stick to walls? Oh, he can't yeah. wear shoes. If he wears shoes, his feet can't hit stick to the wall because he uses electromagnetism, as we uh, well know. Unless this version, this this alternate reality, Spider Man has a slightly different kind of power. But Spidey can't wear shoes; otherwise, he can't. His feet won't stick to the to, to walls. Spidey or can't wear shoes. He's he a completely can't. different world. He's barefoot the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but I, I I loved the design. I loved that. I I, I was really impressed by it because. It's a sm- it's small alterations, yeah, and it, it pays a slight homage, I think, to the nineteen nineties Ben Riley redesign of the Spider Man costume during the Clone kind of saga, where the black goes all over the costume, all down the arms and the legs, the big black spider symbol. They mm. kind of just it likes they taken that and made it white and stuff, and the gauntlets um, I thought were cool. I thought it was again, it, it's striking and it looks. It's not like he's gonna wear, you know. He's gonna we're gonna we're gonna quickly completely modernize the character, and it's gonna be armor based. And you go, well, that's no longer Spider Man to me. Yeah, they, that's that's they did a Batman. great job, a yeah, great job with it. It's good. But speaking about this costume up to, update, Chu said we needed to modernize the suit. That was definitely something that was really important to us. The other thing too, if you look at the comic books, it's all two D. It's not photo real. You have to translate what that 2D design might be if it existed in real life. When I design a suit, I always think about, well, what would a 23-year-old would-be superhero wear? How would he design his suit? And what would his influences be? One of the first things you'll notice, for example, is that he's not wearing a red boot. But I was thinking, if Peter were a modern person living in New York, what would he be influenced by? I thought he'd be influenced by athletic gear and sneakers. So that's why you look at it. And if you ever go around uh, swinging, you'll see the bottom of a shoe actually look like a sneaker. And again, failure. it's a short failure. like a sneaker. <laughs> why don't you go over there and complain at them? Jeez. Like write an email, yeah. Write, write an angry email, and they'd be like, yeah, but it's our version. Shut up. <laughs> we then explain you- to me how he sticks to walls. Give me the science. Give me the power basis. You're worse than away. me, mate. You're, you're, you're trying to be me now. Say in role reversal. reversal, Look, we've already done the role reversal. (laughs) I had a lot of fun with it. Now let's stop that. Stop that. (laughs) The game's music was composed by John Pesano. He worked on the project for over two years, beginning uh, beginning during the writing phase. The aim of the score was to make it its own character and create a cinematic ambience rather than being simply present in the background. The main theme took approximately two months to finish. This was then split off for other segments of the score for the other characters. While Pesano was influenced by Spider-Man music from other media, he focused on the slightly older age of the game Spider-Man, adding more gravitas to the score. Pesano said, Because Spider-Man had been done so many times before, and not just from a musical aspect, but also from a story aspect, uh, Spider-Man has always been a fun, bouncy kind of character. You know, he's got a lot of banter, obviously, whether it's in the films or in the comics. He's always kind of being portrayed by this young, teenage, happy-go-lucky kid. And then I think Brian's approach on it was in this version of uh, Spider-Man. They aged Spider-Man up a little bit. 
He's no longer Peter Parker the teenager. He's he's a little bit older. They aged him up a little bit. He's already been Spider-Man. It's not an origin story, so to speak. So I wanted to kind of do the same thing with the music. Spider-Man music has always been very bright and fun. I'm so used to the comics. The the idea of referring to a 23 year old Spider Man as aged up is yeah. like, but from from all the presentations in media, that's right, isn't it? It's accurate. It, it's, it's true. Do you know what that is, Rob? We're just old. We're just old. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel Spider Man uses Insomniac's proprietary engine that was previously used in Sunset Overdrive and modified to support 4K resolutions and HDR for their 2016 game Ratchet and Clank. The game was announced in June 2016 at Sony's Electronic Entertainment Expo press conference. After sorry, after approximately four years in development, Marvel Spider-Man was finalized wow. in July 2018 when it was released to manufacturing. Four years in development is a, is a long ass time. Games take a long time, mate. Mm. They really do. As of May 2022. The Marvel Spider-Man series has sold over 33 million copies worldwide. Open Critic, which is like the Rotten Tomatoes of video games, reports that 95% of critics recommended the game, giving it a top critic average of 88 out of 100. That's pretty good. We know how video game scores are absolutely insane. So anything below are seven they? out of ten is rubbish. That's everyone's scores. People don't, like, people don't give accurate I, scores for anything. But yeah. would recommend is like... It's like a would buy, isn't it? The kind of yeah. the, the video game, video game kind of reviews are like, should I buy this? I yes. would buy this. That, yeah. That's the kind of the review. So ninety five percent saying you should buy this game is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's very good. The game was a, critical, a financial and critical success, leading to Insomniac releasing a spin off title, Marvel Spider Man Miles Morales, and working on Marvel Spider Man Two as well as an upcoming game based on Wolverine. That sounds that sounds brilliant. That sounds like they've got the it? same uh, just now when you said it. They've got oh, the same right. amount of like work into it. That's a that's going to be great. They've promised uh, it's going to be very violent and eighteen rated. <laughs> oh man, does that mean you're going to lose money when you like? I don't know, but hey, hey whatever they want to do. These media projects don't happen in a vacuum, will. No, uh, they exist in a wider world of pop culture events and historical moments, and we will travel back to 2018 to uh, work out what's going on. 2018 um, was that was that a good year for Will Preston? You remember? Well, it was 2018. No, um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Uh, I moved into uh, a, 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 my first flat with my now wife. Um, yeah, that's a good year. That's a good year. I I I, I left a job I didn't like. And went into one I really liked. It's always good. Yeah, yeah that sounds and, like a very good year. Yeah, and and I bought an Oculus Rift. So that was all, that was all <laughs> the nice. three highlights. Yeah, I, highlights. I I wrote for three or four television programs. It's no big deal. <laughs> I, I I wrote my own uh, pilot in conjunction with Comedy Central. <laughs> just it was just one of those years, you know. All right, Rob. Um, show's not all about you. <laughs> <laughs> they never released that pilot. What a shame. Anyway, um, in the wider world outside of Robin Will. Uh, it was a big year for women. Um, women were allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia for the first time in history. Yay. And the Miss America pageant banned the swimsuit competition. Um, the ups and downs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <coughs> Toys R Us went bankrupt. Ooh. Well, it went bankrupt the year before. It shuttered all its stores in 2018. Um Oof. 
Do you remember? Do you have memories of going to Toys R Us? Of course I do. It was a magical place. Mm. I'm not going to start singing the advert, don't worry. It was founded in 1957. Mm. The store grew. It was a, It was like, kids, man, I don't know. If, you, if you're of the age where you haven't had the experience of a big mega toy store, oh. it's weird because when you talk about it to people that kind of were kids in the 70s mm. and 80s, um, they think it's awful that these mega toy stores came along and crushed mm. all the small toy shops. Yeah. But... I don't know. I didn't have that experience. I I went to this place that was huge and it was incredible. Um, and I remember going and just having. Oh, I was I was like I remember feeling giddy and overwhelmed with how much choice there was. And it would normally be around a Christmas birthday kind of trip, and you could pick something out that was good. And man, yeah. um, it it the big success came. Uh, the birth kind of, of pop culture successes like um, Star Wars, GI Joe, the Cabbage Pat dolls, Rainbow Bright, and then also it was a great place to go and get all your video games. That mm. you know, Nintendos were all there, the Segas were all there. Um, you could, it was just, it was something else. Um, yeah, I have very positive memories. I bought a Wolverine that had a backpack that talked from there. I bought a Batman, a Bruce Wayne quick change Batman from there. Um, oh, big memories of Toys R Us. Um, they were destroyed by online retailers. Um, but also, <laughs> like, they, there was a buyout in 2005, mm. right, of this company by private. So there's a kind of buyout they can do. I forget the name of it, but what happens is a, bun- a company wants to buy your company. What they do, Will, is they go to a bank or someone and they say, this is the value of that other company. Loan me that money, the value of that company, and I'll use that money to buy the company. So it's bought with a loan. And so the new company immediately has a a debt that is as big as their total worth. (laughs) It's insane that that's legal. So they had from 2005 onwards... Not only were online sales about to come along and kind of crush the big toy shops, but from 2005 onwards, their debt was huge. Anyway, I just I can't believe that's allowed. Um, Facebook was hit by a data mining scandal. Cambridge Analytica, do you remember that coming <laughs> yeah, along? I data remember that. 50 million users. There was a congressional hearing and... Mm. Mark Zuckerberg was grilled and looked like a robot. Yes, he looked exactly like a robot. Um, but also at the same time, I felt that he was being grilled by people that had no understanding of any of social media. It was, it, it many parts, oh, it was hilarious. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was like it's like one of those old sketches where the judges are just so out of touch and they're trying to explain yeah. things, and they're just like, it, it, it felt like. No, Mark Zuckerberg needs to have this. He needs to have this legal ramifications. But these people doing it aren't equipped for it. They lost $119 billion in value in a single day. Amazing. That's crazy. Um, Apple became the first American uh, publicly traded company to reach mm. $1 trillion in value. Ooh. $1 trillion. Bezos becomes the world's richest man. Boom. Boom. Uh, there was a super blue blood moon. 
which should be the name of a band, but isn't. I was about to say, um, that's the name of a SNES game. That's a Japanese <laughs> fighting game. You turn into a werewolf randomly <laughs> uh, with yes, a cape. Yes, yes, uh, It's Three lunar events coincided early in, in, in the year, producing a super... So wait, was it? It was the, it's the first time this happened since 1866. Hmm. It was January the 30th, and it saw a total lunar eclipse, which is a blood moon, because um, it goes red, um, while in the in the shadow, as well as a blue moon, which is the second full moon of the month. Not only that, the moon was also the closest to the Earth at its orbit, which is a super moon. Wow, mm. I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe I, I don't remember uh, looking at it. Uh, or these these things happen. Eclipses happen, and everything, and everyone gets all excited. I've seen an eclipse before. You know, it's it's cool, but I I, I don't jump at these things. I'm, no. I'm very. I'm not that interested. I'm afraid. I, I don't to, think they're they're terrible. I'm just. It's not for me. <laughs> I hate eclipses. They're terrible. Um, and there's also we went to the sun. Do you remember that? Uh, NASA launched a 1.5 <laughs> billion dollar Parker Solar Probe. Um, wow. Parker. Parker. Um, first mission to the outermost atmosphere of the sun, the Corona. Um, uh, after zooming by the planet Venus, the spacecraft got its first up-close and personal, uh, which is still 3.8 million miles away. Yeah. Um, but it's the closest of any mission in history, um, and it will make 24 similar approaches over the next seven years. Wow. Um, in music, we had the retirements of both Neil Diamond and Paul Simon, um, which... It's quite a thing. They're both very old men, to be fair. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're um, old. Uh, Mick Jagger could learn a thing or two. <laughs> uh, Bruno Mars wins best song um, at the uh, the Grammy Awards for "That's nice. What I Like" and best album for Twenty Four K Magic. Abba announced they have recorded the first <laughs> batch of new songs since nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Um, K-pop boy band BTS released their album "Love Yourself Tear" and it sells. Are you ready for this, Will? Yep. In its first week, it sells 135 million copies. Sorry, 135,000. My apologies, but that, okay. in the first week, that's insane. That's pretty good. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what music sales are like anymore. So I'm I know that these, that number's good. I know BTS and these these K-pop groups have a stranglehold on some people. Yeah. Um, there's a a woman who you know I've known her for a while. She must be a few years younger than me. Four or five, but you know, a fully grown advert adult, and mm. she is obsessed with BTS, yeah, and I, it's very difficult to not—I don't know—have some sort of conversation with her and ask if she's all right. <laughs> um, people are go. allowed to like things, Rob. They people are allowed to like things that you don't like. But an adult changing their profile picture on all social media to that of a boy band is odd. I, um, I, th- I think changing your, your your profile picture anything that's not your face is odd i have a very uh, aerosmith uh lead singer steven tyler sends a cease and desist letter to donald trump demanding he stop using <laughs> the band's music and uh, donald trump rallies i swear and, they're not the only band to do that <laughs> i know over the years famously bruce springsteen with yeah, um born yeah. in the usa and then barbara streisland reveals that she has cloned her dog twice what this is genuinely true. I never true. heard about this. Yeah, she had two puppies, um, Violet and Scarlet, but they are both clones. They were cloned from her previous dog that died the year before. You hear um, that, Garrison Data? There's hope. Cells were taken from the mouth and stomach and used to grow 
dogs. Not the first time it had happened. Um, some other rich people have done it. It costs like hundreds of thousands, but if you're rich, you're rich. Um, top singles of the year. Uh, God's Plan by Drake. One Kiss by Calvin Harris and mm. Dua Lipa. Shotgun by George Ezra. Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Thank you. Next by Ariana Grande. Um, in the TV world, we had the um, first seasons of Succession and Barry. Yes. Uh, we had also uh, Derry Girls getting its first episode on uh, Channel 4. We had the, the brand new female Doctor Who. Um, we had Walking Dead losing both Rick and Carl Grimes in the same <sighs> series. Why I, 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 carry I stopped, on? I stopped watching it before that happened. When I heard that happen, I was like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, like from the comics, as you'll probably know, that you've read Walking Dead, haven't you? Yeah, I've read the entire lot. The comics are like, great. You need Carl, really. Yeah, definitely need Carl. But it, it's hard. That kid signed up for that job when he was really young. Yeah. We don't do recasting. Like they, we, we don't impress these dramas. Recasting a role kind of doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Not like the old days of sitcoms where you just bring a different actor in. There's one season of Roseanne where a different actress plays the same girl in alternate episodes. Wow. <laughs> like half the season it's one actress, the other half the season it's somebody else. <laughs> wow. Um, in the movie world, the Marvel Cinematic Universe becomes the first film franchise to gross more than $15 billion at the box office. Wow. Um, admittedly, it's got more films in it than anything else going. Yeah, but obviously. In that same year, it then so that's the first fr- film franchise to do fifteen billion. It then became the first to ever do sixteen billion the same year, and then by the end of the year, it's the first to ever gross more than seventeen billion. Um, we had Black Panther and and, and mm. Infinity War that year. For the first time in history, February recorded one billion dollars in ticket sales in North America. And they reckon that's fueled largely by Black Panther, which Mm. represented 43% of the entire month's ticket sales. Wow, that is dominating. China also set a record all-time biggest global one-month box office record. So no, this is worldwide, global record. China set it um, February Set 1.6 billion in cinema ticket sales, wow. and the record-breaking number was uh, largely attributed to the Lunar New Year holiday. Um, <laughs> that's absolutely huge. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, based on the life of Freddie Mercury from Queen, becomes the most successful biopic ever made and the highest-grossing in inverted commas musical. <laughs> I guess I think you'd call it a jukebox musical. You wouldn't call it a musical because. Yeah. The songs aren't related to the plot. Yeah. Um, Hollywood likes to flip around with that. Uh, it grossed more than 900 million for a biopic. That's massive. I've never seen it. Have you seen that film? Yeah. Is it any good? Mm, don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it was like the only thing good about it is Rami Malek. Um, That's about it. There's Dexter Flex. Dexter Fletcher from Ge- Games Master and from Press Gang directed it. Um, <laughs> and he had to step in and take over because the original director left or something. And it has... I'll send you the clip. There's a famous clip online on YouTube hmm. of some of the worst editing I think I've ever seen. Oh. It's a constant... The camera cuts to different people 
about a hundred times in this two-minute conversation. No. It's distracting. Someone that used to, admittedly, only at university. No. Someone that used to was was like editing movies at university, and you had to yeah. kind of not do that kind of stuff. It you was to do it painful to, a rhythm. to watch. It's, it's, yeah. There's a rhythm to it. That doesn't sound like a rhythm. That sounds just like obsessively, logically like going. They're speaking. They're speaking. They're speaking. They're speaking. Some of it, some some of it captures a real feeling and a real mood. But, but um, Rocket Man came out like a year later yeah. or two years later. Rocket Man was incredible. Um, I was in tears during Rocket Man. Oh, I thought it was okay. a. I was. I also wanted. It was a jubilant experience. It's a wonderful experience. I took my mom, who's a big Elton John fan, and she's seen him a bunch of times. Mm. Uh, and that was a, a really good experience. Oh, lovely! Actually, what happened is I went on my own. I just went to see the movie because it looked really good, and I really liked it. And I came home and I told. Uh, no, I, I told my mum later on. I said, "Oh, I've um, I've seen that." I, I'm thinking it's something to talk to mum about because she loves Elton John, mm. and she was appalled that I went without her. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to very quickly go. No, no, no. I I went to see if it was any good to see if you'd like it. I was just testing it out for you. I'm I was just eating you. your dinner to see if it was poisoned. <laughs> Exactly what it was. I'm going to take you um, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, <laughs> let me just cancel all my plans tomorrow. Oh, there we go. The, the hurt there on her go. face. I couldn't. I couldn't believe oh, it. Um, highest grossing films at the box office: Black Panther with over 700 million. Wow. Infinity, Avengers: Infinity War, 678 million. Incredibles 2, over 608 million. Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, over 417 million, and Deadpool 2, over 318 million. Wow, I didn't um, expect to see Deadpool 2 in the top five. Yeah, I mean, Mad. you don't hear about its successes in the same way you do. No. Um, the first one, um, superhero movies. Yeah, we have eight superhero <laughs> movies, and it's incredible. It's um, being oversaturated. I don't like the fact there's all these superhero films. There should be eight Martin Scorsese films. <laughs> Black Panther, in, in, in Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles 2, Deadpool 2, as we mentioned. But also, excuse me, also that year, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out, although right at the very end. Uh, Venom came out that year, mm. Aquaman, um, and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Um, we can take a look at the best-selling DVDs and Blu-rays of 2018 in the United States only. Other data not available. Um, <laughs> Black Panther made 93 million on DVD and Blu-ray, and it's the highest-grossing nice. DVD Blu-ray release of 2018. Do you remember when we looked at and our, our remastered Iron Man 2 remastered? We were able to see that the first Iron Man movie. Made two hundred million in DVD sales. Yeah, seems like between that period of time, ten between that, that ten years between two thousand eight two thousand and eighteen, a top Marvel movie has gone from being able to bring in two hundred million in DVDs and Blu-rays to mm. not even a hundred million. Yeah, as mad, the, isn't it? as that DVD Blu-ray market drops off as as streaming comes in, you think mm. of the revenue. No wonder those actors and writers go out and strike because they're not getting royalties, man. Mm. You think of the loss of money that that happens to to a whole budget. No wonder you can't get you know, and that that's a this is a top. This is a, a you know a, a, um, a movie that's going to make hundreds of millions at the box office. But you think about that loss of revenue for a for a film production. Mm. That's trying yeah. to claw, uh, you know, a mid budget or a small budget, desperately trying to claw back its money at the box office. That can no longer re- rely on it making several million on DVD and Blu-ray, and and somehow got to get a bit of money from Netflix. That's not going to happen. The Greatest <laughs> Showman made sixty-seven million. Um, uh, Avengers: Infinity War 
Um, wait, I don't know why is this one two? This this is, I was looking yeah. at that. Wait, I'll wait for you. I was waiting for you to stumble off. I'm this. gonna ignore the, the amount of you know, yeah. yeah. I don't know where the order came from. But this is directly from. Anyway, uh, Great Showman brought in sixty-seven million. Uh, Avengers: Infinity War brought in over ninety-two million. Um, the Last Jedi brought in eighty-nine million, and Coco brought in seventy-four million. I don't think I ever saw Coco. I which one was Coco? Uh, I don't know. Never saw it. Never, no idea. No, never heard of it. Never heard of it. I don't think it exists. I think it's a placeholder. <laughs> For this edition only, we're going to look Ooh. at the global best-selling video games. Do you want to take it away, Will? Sure. In first place, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. P- Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> on PS4, sold 13.94 million units. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Boo. On PS4, Sold 9.32 million units. Don't know why. It's not a great game. <laughs> I did not like that but one. It doesn't matter. The Monster Boys just buy Call of Duty. They just buy whatever the new edition is. Same with FIFA, The Monster right? Boys, The Monster yes. Boys. Your Kyle's buddies. punching their drywall. Yeah. Uh, FIFA 19 on PS4 sold 9.15 million units. Smash Brothers 2018 on Nintendo Switch sold 8.95 million units. And Spider-Man on PS4 sold 8.76 million units that year. So, um, I, from from the looks of that best-selling video games global, mm. it looks to me like PlayStation 4 is like the console. I don't. I know barely anyone who has the latest Xbox. In fact, I forget what the latest Xbox is called. And I used to be an Xbox guy. Xbox what? One, I believe, isn't it? I don't know. I think it is. They went I back thought to the one. last one was the Xbox One. I oh, am lost you're right. because they've done this weird thing where they don't know. They, it's the Xbox, the Xbox 360, and then the Xbox One. And PS2 have got PS uh, PlayStation have got no PlayStation, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three. It's like why can't they do that? But why Sony, can't they do that? Sony dominate the game market. Then I guess I think I think in terms of consoles, it Sony are winning. Uh, Switch, Nintendo Switch, I'd say coming close second because that's, you know, they do their own thing. But Xbox, I don't know anyone has an Xbox. Although, I did buy the, the better Xbox controllers for my PC and it's bloody marvellous. In the world of Marvel, Marvel Comics 2018, Stanley, of course, sadly passes away at the age of 95. Boo. Um, yeah, you can boo death. That's fine. I don't know that's how a, I don't know how to fine. boo death properly. No, you go to his funeral and you boo him. Um, <laughs> how dare you, death? Boo! <laughs> Are you booing the man in the coffin? No, no, no. I'm booing his death. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I give you full permission, Will, to boo at my funeral. I was about to say I want to pay someone yeah. to do that at my no, funeral. No, just, someone needs to. Boo. Oh right. Yeah. Well, boo. I, boo. I'm not. I'm not outliving you, so I can't do it. Um, yeah. in, in Marvel Comics, <laughs> Gamora begins a mad quest to gather the Infinity Stones. And do a better job than Thanos. Ooh. She ends up. This was weird and also sucked. She ends up. <laughs> this is kind of like a side trip on this story. She gets yeah. the Infinity Stones and she decides she's gonna instead of she's gonna reduce the amount of people in the universe by merging people. <laughs> do you have you had trouble with too many people in your universe? Call us now. We'll consolidate. We'll consolidate all your existing population. And essentially, what it ends up doing—you remember this from Amalgam Comics—it oh, just ends up doing, doing a Marvel, that. a Marvel-only amalgam, right? So, oh, Thor and Iron Man get merged into Iron Hammer. 
cool. Captain America and Doctor Strange get merged into the Soldier Supreme. <laughs> oh, God. Moon Knight and Spider-Man become Arachnite. This is so weird. And and it's this whole... They, they have a spin-off little universe. and they, it was, That sounds less horrible than what happened in, in one way. But at the same time, I'd rather if they just turned to dust. Than this horrible amalgamation. Really? <laughs> um, it was a t- for my money. It was a very cheap knockoff of Amalgam Comics, but yeah. it, it did come decades after Amalgam Comics, so no one probably remembers it. If you want to know about Amalgam Comics, head to our Patreon. We've got a big episode on Marvel and DC merging universes. Um, also in 2018, the Avengers reunited, defeated Loki, who had summoned the Celestials to end the world, and we get a new team of Avengers led by the Black Panther, just in time for his movie to come out. What? How fortuitous <laughs> oh, that he becomes oh. the lead Avenger. Look look at that. Someone accidentally put Black Panther in the comic Avengers. Oh, it's the, well, he'd been in it for a long, long time, but he yeah. became the leader in a oh. uh, what, oh. what, what is known as uh, an event called um, Marvel Product Synergy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and their new headquarters is in the, 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 the body of a long-dead celestial buried in the Arctic known as Avengers Mountain. And it's standing wow. upright standing upright and pointing its arm out, which they use as like a runway. Um, Amazing. After dying in 2014 when his healing factor stopped working, Wolverine returns from the dead after four years, now under the control of the mysterious Persephone. Also, he has hot claws now. Hot claw say- Wolverine. Oh, I thought you meant like, his claws are so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, but they... <laughs> That's true, but they, he's he's able to heat up his get some hot claws. You want some hot? It's just I don't know why it's very weird. That sounds like they a glow. drug thing. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hot claw this hash. <laughs> okay. Um, Aaron Davis stops being the prowler and dons the abandoned Iron Spider armor built by Tony Stark oh. to become a whole new level of threat to Miles Morales. And he forms his own team of villains. And for the first time, Miles must face off against a version of the Sinister Six. We, um, we, all, we all have that uncle that lets the family down. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Inheritors are back. The multidimensional vampires that feed on spider heroes return to try and wipe out every single Spider-Man in every single universe, leading to an event called Spider-Geddon. And guess who turns up? It's the insomniac version of Spider-Man. Oh um, no way! That we've dealt with, and he 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 doesn't remember, but we did a whole episode bonus show on this. Um, and the insomniac Spider-Man plays a, a, a pivotal role, oh. a key part in Spider-Geddon. I this rings um, a bell now, yeah. And his history with Doctor Octopus plays a role as well, as he meets up with the superior Spider-Man, who is another version of, of Octopus. And after Las Vegas was obliterated during the events of Secret Empire. Mephisto creates a literal hell on earth and tries to claim tens of millions of Las Vegas souls that have died. Doctor Strange refuses to let this happen, teaming up with Ghost Rider, reforming the Midnight Suns to battle Mephisto. That is the subject of our bonus deep dive episode for this month's Spooktober for Halloween. Um, It's called Damnation. Will, what's in the uh, mailbag this week? Oh, what a lovely mailbag we have. First of all, we got a letter from Jack uh, Fagella-Luby. Did I get it right? 
I don't know. I, I, you know it looks yeah, like apologies, that. Jack, if I've got might it wrong. Be, might just... be Fagella. Fajella Luby. Uh, if I've got it wrong, I'm very sorry, Jack. Uh, Dear Marvel versus Marvel. Y'all, y'all. Oh, no one says y'all in this country, and I think we need to <laughs> we need to adopt it. Y'all are the best podcast I have ever listened to. I have tried a few others, but none were as fun as you guys. No First of all, can... he's yeah. speaking truth. Thank you, Jack. You're absolutely he's ob- correct. He's he's objectively uh, correct. He is. Uh, no one can do as good of a podcast as you two. Oh, it must be so fun to do a podcast with one of your friends. I especially right. love your it's just, uh, acquaintance, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. You're a friend, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I especially love your episodes on Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Deadpool. Your deep dives into popular and obscure Marvel movies and comic storylines make me enjoy my time doing chores. I want to help you to be able to keep this podcast alive and healthy. I think you guys should do more DC editions. Yes, we should. And I want you to do the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm, I like that. Well, so far, Jack, thank you very much. I think the Dark Knight trilogy, I mean, first of all, there are a lot of listeners out there. There are some very silly people on Twitter, and they hate it when we do a DC edition. They're wrong. (laughs) Um, So, Jack, quit Twitter. Jack's correct. Um, Yep. The Dark Knight trilogy, I think that um, Batman Begins is is, um, important for us to look at. Yep. And The Dark Knight probably is as well because it's the first billion-dollar movie, and I think it, it had a, a very big impact on superhero uh, movies at the box office. Yeah. Um, but I also think Batman and Robin is probably the, is, is important for us to look at as well. I was about um, to say we need to do Batman and Robin. Yeah. I, 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 ba- it's, it's Batman fun. Returns is probably important for us to look at as well, and Superman 2 and things. There's a lot. So, yeah, I think, Jack, we will definitely get to at least two of the Dark Knight movies. I am looking forward to that. Thank you for suggesting that, by the way, Jack. I, I didn't know how to broach Rob about that. I think of you as my good friends and tour guides of the Marvel multiverse. Jack, you wow. are our good friend as well. Yes, you are. You are our good friend. That's one of the nicest things anyone said to me. Uh, the first time I listened to this podcast was your Deadpool episode. I loved your chemistry with each other and the way you compared the movies to the comics. Your jokes are really funny, and I listen to y'all whenever I get the chance. Your biggest fan with a small amount of allowance money, JFL, Jack Fagella Luby. Thank you, JFL. Thank you JFL. for listening. Thank you for writing us such a lovely, lovely letter. Um, please keep listening. Um, we're definitely going to do um, well, it's another Spider-Man episode today. Um, we're going to do Gee. more Deadpool in the future. There's at least one more. Um, we wait for that movie to come out, and there might be some way of us doing some of the cartoons of Deadpool as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, let us know how we're doing. Keep listening. Keep writing letters to us, and make sure we're doing the things you want to listen to. Next up... We got Cody. Cody, 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 Cody. Cody, Cody, Cody. Man, this game was so good. I remember playing various Spider-Man games when I was younger, and this game brought back that fun I had when I was a kid. I thought the story was awesome, and I liked how they treated the characters. This is a different universe, so the characters are different than we know, but I think they handled them all well and gave them cool stories. I liked Peter and Otto's relationships and how it evolves. Aunt May was a great character. This was the first time I heard of Mr. Negative and his story was great. The Miles Morales game was also great and can't wait for the second one to come out uh, soon. So glad y'all are diving into this game. 
That's the second letter with y'all. Y'all. Y'alls. Y'alls. Love it. Uh, next up, we got James O'Donnell. Thank you, Cody. Thank you for writing in, Cody. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, thank you, Cody. Sorry. I'm, I'm no, it was me as well. Yeah. That's why if you go, are you going to say anything? No, he's not good. Uh, James O'Donoghue said, the game is great. It's the most Spider-Man feeling Spider-Man game I've played. It doesn't feel like a film. It feels like a really good game. And I think that's uh, part of games finding their own identity without films being a high watermark for all visual media. Thank you, James. I think it's a good point that this this yeah. feels like the most Spider-Man game. I think that's because, uh, to my knowledge, and I played a lot of Spider-Man games as a kid, mm. um, and as a young as a teenager and as a young man, this is, I think it feels like the first one that's got lots of Spider-Man jokes in it, which is very yes. important, and it has um, a lot of the emotional turmoil of Peter Parker's life. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot. I got teary a couple of bits. I think yeah. in general the older games, uh, because that's how games were at the time, were just you know straightforward action, and you could have changed the ca- the character's name and costume, and you know it's just action based. Whereas this had emotion in it, which is Spider Man. I, I have to say because you, it's annoying because you haven't gone through the game, so you haven't got the, seen all the cool stuff with Doctor Octopus and how he's how Otto Octavius has been portrayed in it. Oh, I watched I watched a bunch of cutscenes for this, oh, for this good, episode. Good, 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 because I thought, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, you're missing out because I, there was I, I didn't great... come into the, I didn't come into this blind and empty. It, it sure feels like you have. <laughs> <laughs> Truck Bothorpe said, really enjoyed it. Felt this got everything pretty spot on. The graphics were great. The character designs were great. The combat felt like a mixture of the Arkham games and Prototype. They added some characters that I thought were a nice touch. Silver Sable and Hammerhead. Overall, I enjoyed it as much as I did when I first played Spider-Man Enter Electro. Thank you, Truck. Um, Will, can you describe Prototype to me? Because I think I might have played it. I, uh, it's one of those, again, open world game. It's a, it's a sandboxy game. I think it's, it's one where you wa- get superpowers. You get superpowers, you get the, I love that game. That game was brilliant. I yeah. really enjoyed that. If, if I remember right, was, you're, you, you're evil. If I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game was dis- that was sold to me as like Vice City with superpowers, and I went, yeah. "Oh, I'm going to get that." And I had, I remember having lots of fun. You got to get different powers, different levels. Sometimes you can get to begin with. You could jump really, really high, and you had to accumulate. Mm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a good game. I might might go back to that because at the moment I'm trying to. I, after many attempts, after many attempts over the last couple of years, I, I finally started getting to the getting into more into uh, Watch Dogs, the first Watch Dogs game. And that is an open world game that took me a while, but I thought I'd love it, and eventually I have. But yeah, anyway, I might might go back and look at Prototype if it's on Steam. Anyway, finally, finally, King Canuck written, wrote it. First of his name. First of his name. Lord of all maple. <laughs> Insomniac Spider-Man just blows me away. I pretty much uh, deliberately avoided reading about the plot of this after it came out until it reached PC last fall. Entering a world where Peter has already been Spider-Man for nearly a decade, where he has been, where he has rapport with the police and beef with Jonah, and yet still has some ba- big ga- bad guys who've yet to emerge, leaves you both feeling like the world is lived in and has room to grow. I haven't read the Bendis comments that inspired. Uh, multiple points of this like feast or anything about mr negative really so i really enjoyed this version of aunt may being proactive with the community and how important it is to see this version of peter to be constantly helping his city the main story is thrilling personal highlights for me are the sequence where you go and fight pairs of villains across the city but what really impressed me are 
things like how tiny bits of the story and world building come from the collectibles, like old suit pieces or mention of villains that didn't make it into this game. I also think that this game does a hell of a lot for Octavius. This is a new favourite version of him alongside Melina and Superior. Not all villains have to be sympathetic, but I think in this instance that just that just makes his betrayal and fall that much more heartbreaking and infuriating. One thing I laughed at was in the DLCs where Hammerhead effectively becomes Silvermane with a giant robot body. <laughs> that was mental, that bit. Kind of ridiculous for the kind of gangster he is, but entertaining. This letter is getting long, so I'll wrap it up. But I love how this game introduced Miles as someone who is genuinely a bit wary about in stories introducing successes smoothly. Great game. Can't wait to play the sequel. P.S. Screwball is hilarious. Thank you, Kinka. That's a great summation of yeah. um, a great summation of the game and why it's um, fun and cool. And like, yeah, you, you're right. As much as I enjoyed the Easter eggs and the collectibles for their nods and references to comic books or established things, it also was really intrinsic in building up the world and uh, of this character in yes. such a wonderful yes. way. Um, that was uh, that was a, a really great a really great feature on it. Um, you can always drop us a line, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter and tweet to us at Marvel versus or X or whatever it's called now. Um, the best way to find us, though, the very best way is mm. Patreon dot com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Um, that's where a lot of these guys chat to us and tell us what they think about upcoming projects and things like that. Um, and it's a, uh, a way for us to deliver bonus content to the masses and for you guys to support this podcast. Um, our biggest supporters are there. They are... Will, what can we say about these people? They're, they're, they're the chosen ones. They're they are the, the chosen ones. Yeah. But they chose themselves. <laughs> we didn't reach out and say these people are special. They reached up and said we're special. Mm. They came to us and said this podcast needs some support. It needs some help. It needs some heavy hitters to swing things around and get stuff done. We're the team for that. And that's why they're the world-class wrecking crew. The top biggest supporters that we've got of this podcast on Patreon, talking about Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Bass De Beer, Sam, Bindi, Sue P, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q, and David Fan. Those people make this show possible. Some of them have been with us for years. Peter J's our very first subscriber ever on yeah. Patreon. Still here, still with us, still at the top <laughs> tier. Giving the most, doing the most, supporting the most on Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. And Will, whew, the stuff that's available. You support us, we support you. Yes, we need you to donate and give us your money. And, not donate, it's pledge, really. And support us in that way. But it's two-way street. It's two-way street. You don't go on Patreon and go down a one-way street and get nothing back. You go on Patreon, you get mini-episodes, you get early access, you get bonus, full-length, deep dives into Marvel stories that, that haven't been adapted, or if they have, not properly. And we can bring you things like Spider-Geddon. We can bring you the original Spider-Verse in full, and then 
its sequel, Spider-Geddon, that features the insomniac Spider-Man from this video game for the first time. <laughs> we can bring you a deep dive into the actual secret invasion. The, the, the TV series, there's nothing like the comic book series, as it will. No, no, completely different. And all the suspense and conspiracy and the questioning of Secret Invasion, one of the most fun shows we've ever done. I really oh, think yeah. that. Uh, like us going back and forth and me constantly checking in going, well, who do you think is a scroll now? <laughs> like, I'm trying to, were you trying to work it out? So it much hard. fun. So much so fun hard. in that. Yeah. Um, we talked about like some characters being merged together. We looked at Amalgam Comics for our anniversary uh, this year where it will never be repeated and it's out of print so you can't buy it marvel and dc merged universes merged characters we got the iron lantern and we got dark claw um mm. we got the justice league avengers um and we looked at all of that and pulled those apart that was just really a rollicking fun time to expose you will and show you all these wild things that happened uh back in the 90s um, of course, we had the Infinity Gauntlet episode. Might be one of our yes. best episodes yeah. oh, going. Oh, that was good. That was so good. We had the Kang Dynasty. We, we said this year, we're not going to wait multiple years for the movie to come out. We're going to look at the Kang Dynasty right now this year. A prolonged war between Kang and the planet Earth where Kang wins. <laughs> like, what a story. We've got our live shows are up there. We got other. We did the Civil War. We did a, a big, long episode on the Civil War. Um, on the time the Justice League fought the Avengers, it's all available. Ooh, yes, Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Um, this month we're going to look, as we said, on uh, Damnation, Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider versus Mephisto. Um, that's going to be a really great. I know Will. He loves his. Uh, <laughs> The stories, the Marvel magic and the dark side of Marvel. You love that kind of fantasy stuff going on as well. Yeah, I don't usually like fantasy. When it comes to Marvel, it's like, oh, the superheroes have to deal with the devil. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm sold. I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. And that's a great one. We're going to have to touch on elements of the Secret Empire, which we've not looked at yet, and some huge things that happen um, in that. And then there are mini episodes as well. The first of every month, we release Obscure Marvel, where me and Will dive through the trash cans of the marvel universe to bring you the most ridiculous and obscure characters like frogman like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the kangaroo <laughs> Jeez, who yeah. just walks into a nuclear reactor um <laughs> those uh big wheels remember the big wheel oh God. big yeah because he, he i think i think he popped up in the cartoon and the rocket racer yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of ridiculous. Uh, the Matador who <laughs> throws his cape at him. <laughs> he just threw a cape him. at a van. That's what he did. He crashed a van by covering the windscreen with a cape. God, he's, <laughs> so, he's he's rubbish. He's not he's even a proper villain. Packed with the worst villains and the most obscure stories, ridiculous yeah. times, and everybody gets that. The very basic level on Patreon. Um, dot com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's for you guys to just buy me and Will a drink a month. If you enjoyed listening to our ridiculous deep dive into Last Stand, if you enjoyed our three-parter on Infinity War, if you enjoy us dealing with things like uh, Insomniac Spider-Man, and you get hours and hours and hours of entertainment of that every week, buy us a drink. 
that's all we're saying. Just get us a drink, kick a little money our way. Three English pounds, little mm. cashola in our pocket. It helps keep the lights on. It helps pay for storage and for hosting fees and things like that. And uh, helps me and Will be able to put as much time and effort we do into every episode um, on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You do that, you get access to just mini shows every month we get. And there's loads up there. You go a bit higher, you can get early access. You go a little higher than that, and you can get our deep dive full-length bonus episodes. All available on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Folks, on the other side of this break, we're going to look at the skins and the costumes in this game. We're going to look at the backpack collectibles and how they are sourced from the comic books. And when we're going to do the deep dive into the story of Insomniac Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> 